Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. And here's my situation with the Buffalo Bills. I've always loved them. All right. All right. Bill's Mafia, how are you feeling on this fine Monday? I suspect you're feeling pretty fine. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain. I am your host, Vince Taylor. You are listening to me on the Built in Buffalo podcast network where we have brand new content for you every single day of the week, only on the Built in Buffalo podcast network, but we also have the YouTube channel where there's lots of other great shows happening there as well. Please find your way there. Click subscribe, click like, leave a thoughtful review. If you like the brand or you like the work that a lot of folks are putting into this network, it helps us out. It helps us out. And, you know, we enjoy hearing nice things. I like to say nice things about other people because it makes me feel better. Uh, As much as other people like to hear nice things, I like to say nice things because I think it makes me feel better. So I'm a little bit uh, selfish. (laughs) There's an ulterior motive, but go say something nice to somebody else today. Let's go ahead and get right into it. This was a 40 to nothing win against the Houston Texans. The Buffalo Bills demoralized, they destroyed, they de-pantsed David Coley and Davis Mills and that Houston Texans team. And you know what? This one does not feel as hollow as the 35 nothing shout-out we had just a couple weeks ago against Miami. You know I think a lot of us felt the same way after that one. Like, yes, it's nice to get those wins, but we were still coming off the loss from Pittsburgh, and we weren't really seeing the offense rolling. And now that we've seen it, we saw it against Washington, and although the offense had a bit of a slow start today, we got rolling with it. Now Josh's stat line doesn't necessarily pop at you. That's okay. Um, Before we start worrying about slow starts, I think we should all remember that, you know, even in the Chiefs Super Bowl run, they were kind of infamous for starting slow and getting behind and coming back and winning the game. They would spot you a 14-point lead and come back and blow you away the rest of the game. That was the Chiefs. That was the Chiefs last year. That was the Chiefs during their Super Bowl run. So the slow start doesn't necessarily have me panicking, even if it was against this bad Texans team. It was one bad throw to start off the interception. Uh, they The announcers were kind of alluding to that the ball was wet. I don't know. just looked like he put a little too much air on it. Diggs was open. He had Diggs right there. It's just pregame, you know, Josh, where he says maybe he hadn't been hit yet. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But uh, it didn't worry me. Even when they came back down and got inside the 20, even if they scored there, the momentum never really seemed to change in this game. Like it never felt like there was any threat, even if they scored and put up seven against us there. Like it just never felt like the game was not going to be ours for the taking as it happens. They went forward and forth down instead of taking the field goal and they got shut out for it. 
And uh, I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that at all. The defense came away in this game with four picks of Davis Mills and a fumble recovery. It matters to me a little bit that it was against Davis Mills. Now, a shutout in the NFL is hard to do. Against any NFL team, these are NFL players. They're all professionals. They're all playing at the highest level. This is the top 99, 1%. I'm sorry, I'm saying that backwards. It's the top 1% of college athletes. These are, it, it's the Texans. They're not a very good team, but they're still an NFL team. So shutting them out is still difficult to do. And does it matter that it's Davis Mills? It, it, a little bit it does, but you can't say that shutouts don't matter because they happen so infrequently in the NFL. And by the way, Davis Mills was the eighth, the eighth quarterback taken in this past year's draft. When you take somebody that late, you are hoping for the best of the best. And it almost, now I I have a different view of when you should be taking a quarterback. If you're not taking somebody in the first and you're not getting your guy, you're kind of hoping for the best with that pick. That second round pick could have been used in many other areas. Um, now I know Tyrod's hurt, but are you telling me they couldn't use an offensive line or another cornerback or maybe even trade away to pick up extra picks instead of taking and hoping to get something good with a second round quarterback? Because, you know, historically that's not where the best quarterbacks go. So he felt pressed. If you listened to Hugh and last week on my podcast, he understands why they did it. He felt pressured. He felt pressed. He had to take a quarterback there. They didn't have a first round pick. To me, that makes me less likely to want to take a quarterback there, but I'm not a GM. I'm a podcaster in Indiana. But anyway, the other thing I wanted to make sure that I talked about in my notes here was the offensive line. We knew the offensive line hadn't been playing very good in the first three games, and Cody Ford got benched this week. Now, John Feliciano was out, I believe it was for concussions, but they shook it up. They shook it up big time. We had Deion Dawkins, and then we had Eitbacher playing over on the left side. Mitch Morse, Daryl Williams moved inside to right guard. Daryl Williams did that when he was in Carolina. He was not very effective there, but uh, coaches felt like they wanted to give him a shot, at least this week. It's against the Texans, so what What better time to get him some game live game reps uh, in a different position than what he had been practicing, I guess, most of the offseason anyway. And then taking over at right tackle was Spencer Brown. That's what a lot of people in Bill's Mafia were hoping to see, and we finally got a chance to see that. And did Spencer Brown look like he was having fun out there? My gosh, did he look like he was. Every time I see him on the screen, he was bouncing around. He was doing the first down signal. And then he was making fun of Desmond King because of how short he was. If you have not seen that video, it is pretty funny. You should go out there and look it up. But uh, the offensive line, I thought, played better. Now, it's against the Texans. I don't think their defensive line is anything that should have scared us. The run game was the best that has been this year. And by the way, I'm still on team motor, but... Moss had a good game too. This looked like more of the business decisions Moss that we had come to see. Even in his better games, uh, like I think he had a better game against Miami. I wasn't feeling it. I didn't understand what people saw in him. I saw a little bit more of that this game, but Moss still didn't look as good as Singletary. Singletary had the carries to close out the game, which by the way, another fumble from Singletary. He has a problem. Now, he's been lucky enough not to lose them. 
but man, I am on team Singletary. I'm on team motor all the way. And I hate seeing him put the ball on the ground. We're lucky to get it back. He's had a few that went out, out of bounds this year as well, but motors back, ladies and gentlemen, motor 2019 is back on this team and it's against the Texans. So, you know, let's maybe pull back on that a little bit. We are going to get a much better test this week coming up Sunday night against the Kansas City Chiefs. And curious to see if we throw this same offensive line out there against the Chiefs. Now, it can't be worse, really. I mean, I guess it can, but I don't I don't think you'd bet money on it. They, they can only be better. Um, I think that having Josh back there covers up so much. He can step out of the way of pressures when they're given up. He can improvise. I actually think Josh likes to do that more than sometimes standing in the pocket. But the run game definitely looked improved this week with that um, offensive line. Yes, part of that probably is because we're facing the sorry-ass Houston Texans. And I'm sorry, Hugh, and I don't mean to be disrespectful there, but they just are not very good. Um, but we have a big test coming up for this week. And we still have to find a way to cover Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes still. The rumors of his demise are greatly exaggerated. We have seen this year after year after year, basically for 10 years with Tom Brady saying he's done, he's done. The Patriots have a slow start and then boom, right back in the driver's seat. That's what we're dealing with with the Chiefs right now. I might have felt a little bit different if they couldn't pull out a win against Philly today and they had a slow start, as they do. But they came back and they won it, and it will be a big test for us coming up this week, covering Tyree Kill, covering Travis Kelsey, getting pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Now, I'm not as worried about their defense against our offense. Uh, even last week, or last year, I should say, in the AFC Championship game, we still scored a decent amount of points. We had to work really hard and dink and dink and dink and move the ball in smaller chunks to get them. We're a better team this year, and our defense, our defensive line anyway, is much improved. So if we can just stop them from getting those big chunk plays, I think that the Bills actually have uh, a better chance to win. I still think I'm leaning towards the Chiefs. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. But the way the Bills are playing right now, I, I still I, I think you have to lean a little bit more towards the Bills, even if you don't want to pick them out right. I, I think you, you have to, if you're being honest, you have to at least admit that you, you're expecting it to be a closer game than what we might have been expecting earlier this year. But also right now, who do you who is the best team in the AFC right now? Can you still say the Chiefs? I think so, even if their record doesn't necessarily back that up. But the Bills are right there. The Browns played a really sorry game today against the Minnesota Vikings. I was one of the Browns' biggest cheerleaders there in the offseason. I have argued with everybody on this network that I thought the Browns were going to be good. Yeah, so far it hasn't really been the case, even if um, I, I still think the Browns are going to be there in the end. But uh, so far this, so far in this early young season, I I look like I'm wrong. Do we really believe in the Denver Broncos? I certainly do not. Uh, I like Teddy more than I do Drew Locke, but I don't really have a high ceiling or high hopes for Teddy. I think his top ceiling that he's going to ever achieve is probably something like 3,500 yards and 25 touchdowns, just a tick better than Tyrod. Um, that's more than they'll get out of Drew Locke. And he's hurt right now. I'm, I, I'm not sure what the status is 
but it uh, doesn't matter. The, the Broncos are not for real. They haven't beat anybody good. And we have the Raiders. Now, I like the Raiders a lot more than most people, even if I am down on John Gruden. I like Derek Carr. I think they can put up some points. They did lose a lot of pieces uh, from last year. But they're probably not going to win that division. They're 3-0 right now. Not, They're going to be a wild card team. They're not going to come away with the AFC West title. That's going to go back to the Chiefs. But So back to the original question. Who's the best team in the AFC? It's not the Ravens. It's not the Colts. It's not the Titans. I mean, is it still the Chiefs? I think so, but I understand why there's a debate. But the way their Bills are playing right now, you'd be foolish to overlook them. And yes, that includes Chiefs. That includes Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. They shouldn't be overlooking the Bills either. We can surprise some folks. And I'm not even sure at this point surprise is the right word because I think there's a sizable amount of people who might be expecting that, even if I don't think that's necessarily a realistic expectation. But it wouldn't be a surprise, I think, is what I want to say. We could possibly be going into that game without Matt Milano. He got hurt today and did not return. I have not seen any injury status update at 7.15 on Sunday night. I have not seen what the injury status is. So I, I guess I, I'm hoping that he is not seriously hurt and they just held him out because it was a blowout and why put him back in there. That seems likely to me, but... Uh, I think we need Matt Milano, even if last year we weren't very good against Travis Kelsey and really any tight end in the league, honestly. Uh, We really need Matt Milano if we're going to have a chance to to take on the Chiefs and and make it a game and win, finally win. But the key to that and all the investment that Brandon Mead made in the offseason pretty much went to the defensive line in the form of Gregor Rousseau, Boogie Basham, I thought the defensive line did well today. You saw us maybe blitz a little bit more, and that's because he's a rookie. Uh, But you saw some blitzes. You saw Poyer come on a run blitz. You saw uh, Tremaine blitz. The rookie quarterback, we we blitzed him pretty heavy. We only came away with two sacks. Boogie Basham got one. It was an effort sack. That looks like everything I've seen of Boogie Basham right now looks like that is the player that he is. He's not beating you quickly off the block he is going to wear you down with effort and then try to work his way back into the play so if you hold the ball too long he's going to get there but he's not going to be jerry hughes beating your block in a second or he's not going to be gregory Rousseau reaching out and extending and getting in your mind that way he's just going to be a going 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 always going that looks like the type of player he is to me you know he had a good game that was a good sack he had a i think he had a pressure later on didn't see a lot of uh, pressure from Groot and maybe I just missed it but it, it didn't pop out to me um, but it felt like he he didn't look comfortable the entire game Davis Mills did not look comfortable um, the pocket maybe we weren't getting there consistently but it was it, we were in his mind you can tell he he didn't want to hang on to that ball any longer than he had to now going into this game you know I think it was well documented that he pretty much keep forcing the ball to Brandon Cooks and uh, Brandon Cooks didn't have a great day in fact the entire offense had a pretty shitty day I mean obviously if you don't score any points you're not having a great day 
And that is just the kind of hard-hitting opinion that you can get from Buffalo on the brain. Yeah, as I said, the Bills came away with four interceptions and five turnovers total. Uh, Jaquan Johnson came away with one. Tyler Matikiewicz got one late. Uh, Micah Hyde got one. And Tremaine Edmonds got one thrown right to him. Now I see a lot of people on Twitter coming to the defense of Tremaine Edmonds, but listen, if he doesn't make that catch, he has some problems. That ball was thrown right to him. He had to maybe even catch it out of self-defense. So let's not give him too much credit just yet. We're not ready to pay him $19 million a year. And that doesn't mean you have to hear that he sucks either. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he's not great. That catch is an any NFL linebacker has to make that catch. It hit him square in the body. Didn't even have to work for it. I think later in the game, Tremaine did have a hand in causing that fumble. He was dropping back into his zone. I believe it was the tight end. The tight end caught it. Tremaine was playing a little soft. Came over it. Didn't hit him hard. Didn't necessarily even tackle him. Just kind of grabbed him and stood him up for a minute. And I don't remember who it was. It may have been Cam Lewis, but that doesn't feel right. Uh, came over and made the play and caused the fumble. Uh, so I guess that's a good play. You know, hard-hitting tackles for as big and as athletic he is is not Tremaine's game. But uh, I, I guess that's a good play. If, if he can hold somebody up where somebody can come over and, and punch the ball like that, I guess that's valuable. But it's, to me, not $19 million a year valuable. He's not a top linebacker in the league. Uh, I mentioned Cam Lewis. Cam Lewis, playing for Teron Johnson today, had a great game too. He had a couple good plays. Uh, I think he had a tackle for loss. Later on, he uh, he did have that forced fumble. It might not be the Tremaine play, but he did have a forced fumble later in the game as well. So good game for Cam. Teron Johnson had been playing pretty well this year as well. He's had a few really good games. So uh, there's reason to be optimistic about that slot corner spot as much as I was down on it last year. So as I said earlier, uh, really great game. You know, I feel like I'm nitpicking maybe just a little bit too much, but a shutout in the NFL, it's not easy to do. We have done it two times in the span of just three weeks, and I am super excited about the matchup next Sunday with the Kansas City Chiefs because I want this defense to go up against that offense. We've not faced a high-powered offense yet. Pittsburgh, not very good offensively. Miami, not very good offensively. Washington, not very good offensively. Davis Mills, not very good offensively. So we're going up against our first real test this year. This is a quality win if we can get it. And I still believe the Chiefs are still the best team in the AFC. And I want this to be the measuring stick. I want to see what we look like against this type of team. To me, these are the two best teams in the AFC. Which order you want to put them in is debatable. But ultimately, it doesn't matter because we're going to play Sunday to figure out which one is number one and which one is number two. But... This is a different test for us. As I said earlier, we still have to figure out how to cover Tyreek Hill. We still have to figure out how to cover Travis Kelsey. If the defensive line is putting some pressure on Patrick Mahomes, maybe they don't have to cover as long. Let's hope we can come away with some sacks. But this is the test. This is what we built this team for right here. 
we built this team when Brandon Bean went into the draft and he took Boogie Basham and Gregory Rousseau and he signed Effie Obata. This was why he did it. The Kansas City Chiefs. He saw what they had done to them in the Super Bowl. And it's fun. It's fun. This is We're going to know where we stand at the end of this week. Because if we beat the Chiefs, my whole perception of the season is changed. I go from being, yeah, the Bills are pretty good. We're not there yet. To, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl. And I, I'm not going to be the only one. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to f- have that switch flipped in their brains. There still is plenty of football to be played, even after this next game. Sometimes we are a week-to-week league our thoughts and feelings on who's the best and who's good and who's not can swing wildly from week to week. Uh, Right now, nobody believes in Tennessee Titans. And, you know, they just played the last game without their top two wide receivers, even if they got beat by the freaking Jets. But that doesn't mean in a month they might not be back to playing better football. So, still plenty, plenty of season left. Plenty of meat on that bone. But a win against the Chiefs would really, well, it would help us in the driver's seat for the first round bye. Having a win against the Chiefs would be pretty much worth two, almost. But I don't think all the pressure's on the Bills this time. I still think the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC, but I still think they have to prove it. I still think there's a lot of doubters out there. I still think they might even have to be proving this to themselves. There is a lot of pressure on the Chiefs for this game. Now, for us, it's a measuring stick. We're still the underdogs. And sometimes that's right where you want to be. We're going to go into Kansas City, and we're coming in on a high note. We're coming in with our defense playing lights out. And we have Josh Allen. And... They still have Patrick Mahomes. They still have Andy Reid. They still have Travis Kelsey. They still have Tyree Kill. But I believe there's more pressure on the Chiefs in this game than there is for the Bills. What does a loss to the Bills do to Kansas City's outlook on the season? That really cripples them. It really cripples them. I think it changed their entire perception of their season. Now, of course, they're still perfectly capable of putting it together, but I always think digging yourself out of a hole is a different mindset than staying above the competition, and that's where they would be, trying to dig themselves out of a hole. They already are. They already are in in the AFC East, or the AFC West, I'm sorry. On the other side, yes, we'd rather not lose to the Chiefs, but I think a loss to the Chiefs from us is not quite as devastating as it would be for them. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Anyway, that is all of my thoughts for this week. I'm sorry I was not able to get a Chiefs content creator on the podcast this week. I have no idea why. I think they're playing splendidly. But uh, we have Real or Silly with Justin Goddard. We also have Mafia Hot Seat this week in the form of Andy Mack over from the Bills Up podcast and one of the owners of this very network, Akeem Richens from Billsology on Saturday night. You can also find him on the Buffalo Blueprint on the Built in Buffalo YouTube channel. He has just got a very unique and smooth way of disseminating information that uh, it's always a, ch- a joy to speak with him and listen to him as well. So please go check his stuff out. You will not be disappointed. But 
before we get there. We have to get to Real or Silly with Justin Goddard. So without further ado, Real or Silly. Hello, I have a fun game for y'all today. It's called, Is It Real or Is It Silly? Silly, adjective, laughable or amusing through foolishness or a foolish appearance. Is that for real? Is it real? Silliness. Okay, is it real? Wow. Silliness is defined as engaging in a ludicrous folly. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the week again where I bring you my very special co-host over from The Wandering Buffalo. One half of that just wonderful show. If you're not listening to The Wandering Buffalo, what are you doing with your time? Are you really spending your life are you spending your life and your time intelligently? No, I, I would say that you're not. Justin, how are you? I'm wonderful. I'm always always better after your glowing introductions. Starting <laughs> off the week after a Bills win, you know, a, a beatdown that felt more like a beatdown than the uh, Miami Dolphins game did. So it's a good start to the week. How are you? Same, same. As you know, I the missus and I were traveling a ton this past week. We we traveled, uh, I think, almost 54, 5,500 miles uh, in a week. But uh, we ended up making it to the Bills game, and it was her first trip to see the Mafia. She so far is resisting, saying that she is a Bills fan. But I know deep down she's she's on board. It's, it's going to be like the, uh, the Bruce exclusive musical, you know. You got to resist <laughs> it for a while, and they always come around. Oh, my God. That... <laughs> Maybe we could team up and, and do a wandering Buffalo, Buffalo on the brain musical crossover, and then just give away all of get rid of all of our listeners that way. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. We're not near what we're going for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're nowhere near as talented as Bruce. We love you, Bruce, but all right. You and I have three questions to get to. Let's go ahead and get started. Question number one. Question one. Justin, the Bills will score 40 points on the Texans. Is that real or is that silly? Um, so, Vince, I'm going to go silly on this one. A bunch of silliness. And it is not fully out of, like, a, a healthy respect for the Texans. Um, so I do think Washington presents more of a challenge than Houston does. Um, however, I do think it's rare to skip, uh, score 40 points in the NFL, let alone on back-to-back -back weeks. And while I do think Houston is kind of a dumpster fire, we're looking at a game that we just came out of with Washington where we really didn't have any mistakes on our end. Well, we had the, the kickoff blunder. Um, but we also had three turnovers defensively um, that really set the team up. And if we could duplicate that, yes, I could see us scoring over 40 points. Um, I just think kind of week to week, every team presents different challenges and I don't see it as likely that we get all the same kind of bounces that we did to be able to drop 40 again. I am going to disagree with you, Justin. I say we get there and here's why. I don't think the Texans are as talented defensively as Washington is, although 
Washington did not look that good against us this week. But Davis Mills going up against this defensive front and our defensive backs, it's going to be tough for him. Davis Mills is not a – what's the word I want to look for here? He's not a first-round rookie. He's not the prime-time, you know, first-round franchise guy. You know, they, they didn't draft him there, and right now – it doesn't look that way. So I think they're going to have a hard time scoring points. I think we can get the turnovers back, but I think we will get there not on Josh's arm, but on the run game. I think we're going to put up some points that way. Ooh, the, the run game breakout game. Yeah, it'll be an anomaly. I think we can make it shine for a week. Like maybe like we did against that first, or was it the second uh, Patriots game last year? Like it'll stick out. And then we'll think, oh, this is wonderful. We have a run game. And then I think next week against the Chiefs, it'll be gone again. Yeah. So one one of the reasons I'm staying under the 40 is I do think Washington has a significantly better defense than Houston. But I also feel like Washington's defense really isn't rising to the occasion. Like on paper, they have a really good looking defense. They have first round picks all across the front line there. They got a pretty solid secondary. I just haven't really through the season thus far. I haven't really seen their defense come together the way I feel like it should. And when I first did my schedule predictions, I had the Washington game as a possible loss. Um, And it definitely changed a little bit with Fitzpatrick going out. Um, But I really thought that that defense was going to show more kind of to the point where I think there's a chance that Houston's defense challenges us more than what we saw last week. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, definitely the, the offensive line, not, we're kind of going off topic a little bit here, but we'll go with it. The offensive line hadn't been good the first two weeks of the year. And I fully expected Josh to have a lot more pressure. They held their own against that pretty stout defensive line of Washington Um, And on the flip side, it didn't feel like our defensive line was popping quite as much as it had the first couple weeks either. And Washington's offensive line is, you know, kind of like ours. They're kind of iffy. So, you know, that stuff can happen in the NFL any week to week. And maybe next week we get back on track in the way that it should be, I guess. This is one of those situations where I, I would really enjoy being wrong. Enjoy a nice little 50 burger next week. That'd be fun. Yeah, it makes it so much more fun when you're at the stadium, as you and I were, uh, to to not have to sweat it out quite as much. But on to question number two. This was a question you wrote, Justin. Question two. Marquez Stevenson takes Isaiah McKenzie's return jobs by the end of the year. Is that real or silly? Um, so I don't know how to categorize this in the real or silly department for, for two reasons, I guess. Um, So I think it's real that Stevenson makes it to the active roster by season's end. Um, I'm not sure that it's necessarily in the form of taking McKenzie's job though. However, Um, I see this as more being like a game day inactive here and there, but kind of replacing the role that we are looking at for Brita. A bunch of silliness. I just threw through three weeks of the season. I just really haven't seen 
really much of anything from Brita that's justifying a roster spot for him. And I think kind of being able to have that sample size and a young guy with similar skill sets waiting in the weeds, I feel like it might just be kind of sooner rather than later that they, that they turn those reins over. Yeah, I, I, I have to pick one or the other and truthfully, I'm going to say that's real, but I am going to bet that McKenzie hangs on to the punt return duties and maybe the kick return duties start getting shifted over a little bit. So I have to go one way or the other, and that's kind of splitting the baby. That's not the point of the game. So I'll say real. Now we had heard all preseason long, how none of the returners on the roster were popping. None of them seemed to be separating themselves. McKenzie won the job almost out of default. I know that in preseason game number one, I believe, uh, maybe it was game number two. Marquez Stevenson had that long run and we started getting more hopeful about him, but he's not really done punts that well. McKenzie's had some good kick returns, but he's also made some kind of questionable plays as we saw this past week in, in Washington where it ended up being like a, like a 50 yard onside kick <laughs> because McKenzie didn't catch it. And he, uh, well, I guess he returned fair caught that one punt. Maybe the he he hurt his shoulder or something. I, I remember hearing that as an excuse, but he's not made great decisions. And up until even last year, he hasn't been known as a secure ball handler when doing that job. So he kind of wanted out of default. And I, I think that they want to see what they have in their new toy. So I still say yes. Yeah. And the part for me where maybe it could be McKenzie is, you know, I like the flashy moments that he can have on returns, but I think you and I talked about this earlier in the season. My biggest concern in the return game is making sure that the ball is secured and put back into the offensive's hands. I don't think this is a team that needs to win games with, you know, special teams flash and all that. Um, and and to me, you know, this is, this is completely speculation, um, and I'll get your opinion on it. But but to me, watching that kickoff this past Sunday almost looked to me like a mental lapse where he was kind of treating it as a punt and, you know, not seeing a good way to field it clean and was just like, oh, we'll let it bounce and, and go from there. It'll get downed. And I have to rewatch the game again. I don't know if, if my eyes will see it the same way the second time. But to me watching it in the moment that felt like kind of a mental lapse that led to a really big turnover. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I, I I was at the game as you were, but I was on the other end of the field when that play happened, but I watched it happen and and I, I was cursing. (laughs) I couldn't understand what was happening or what just happened and how they got the ball. Uh, But you're right. It felt like he was just kind of like, yeah, I, I, I'm just going to let it bounce and see where it goes. Like, no, it's a kickoff. You can't really do that. And I'm sure he got an earful when he went back to the sidelines. But um, if we're going to have Stevenson back on the roster, I mean, somebody else is going to lose their roster spot. Now, this isn't part of real or silly, but who do you think that's going to be? Uh, for me, it has to be either he beats out McKenzie outright and it, it's McKenzie that loses his job or 
or it'd be Brita and we don't see Stevenson as much involved. It's kind of like the, the gadgety extra guy for like some trick play or when you need some speed or something like that. I think he either straight up beats McKenzie and we see him doing punts and kick returns and, and maybe something's happening in practice. They're working with him, whatever. Um, and they, they would get the confidence in him. Or what I think is more likely would be that for for the few plays that they want to use him on offense, that he could outperform Brita. Yeah, I, I can see that. I thought when he was drafted, it was a direct challenge to McKenzie. And I don't believe that his job was safe, you know, going up to the final 53 in mine roster. I don't believe at any point during the offseason was his job totally safe. And maybe Marquis Stevenson doesn't get hurt. And we have a different story. So I definitely could see that. And Matt Brito, we we signed as a speed threat. Or we wanted that element out of the backfield. He's been inactive twice so far. I believe the only the only reason he was active week one is because Stevenson, or I'm sorry, McKenzie was iffy with that shoulder injury. So it could be that Brita finds his way back to the free agent market if we're not even going to use him on game day. What's what's the point of having him around? Um, but I could also see Kumaro. You don't talk about my boy Jake like that. <laughs> so you're you're completely shut down now. I don't want to talk about this anymore. No, I I could also I could see Kumaro as a possibility. I just for for that receiver position, I'm not really counting on really anybody in that five six seven range to be making any any real offensive contributions, maybe a couple plays here and there. Um, so I value greatly what Kumaro brings to special teams. And I think for the, for the few positive moments that you can get out of, you know, say Stevenson contributing on offense or, you know, making a nice punt return, I think it's overall a bigger net positive having Kumaro around in a quieter way. Um, than having Stevenson take on a bigger role, if that makes sense. Yeah, and one thing that we've not seen so far after three games this year is the jet sweep or the motions. And that was a lot of what McKenzie brought to the table. And we've they're not using him. Now, I don't know if that's strategic and they're just saving it and then pull it out in a rainy day. Maybe against the Chiefs, they pull it out and, and try to catch people off guard. But Maybe the two are interchangeable in that way, to your point. Maybe McKenzie and, and Stevenson are kind of interchangeable in that role. We've not seen it, but it, I'm not against it. Yeah, that that's actually something that I've, I've really been missing from the offense is not even necessarily running the jet sweep play, um, but having like the thread in there and using like the speed motion and get the defense to tip their hand a little bit. Um I mean, I feel like we saw it so much last year as just even just as like a pre-snap motion distraction to to kind of get people a little off balance. Like, oh, that guy's really fast. We got to watch him. And then you get that little half second freed up to hit something underneath or, you know, get a run play in there or whatever. And I, like you said, maybe maybe they're saving it for a special occasion, but kind of been confused why that hasn't been part of the offense. Yeah, I complained about it a lot last year because I think we went to it 
far too often, but it does have its uses. Even if you are faking it, you are giving those linebackers something to think about. And can you imagine if teams are doing that against Tremaine, make Tremaine think about something else? Like you're going to get him off his game even more than he normally is. So there's some value there, but all right. On to question number three. And I like this question because right now I believe the bills are underdogs. I see their four or four and a half points. Question three, Justin Goddard, the bills will beat the chiefs outright. Is that real or silly? So I unfortunately am going silly here. A bunch of silliness. And I really want to say real. Um, just seeing how, seeing what our team looks like when the offense and defense are clicking together. It looks like a fucking scary team. Um, but right now I have like, like it was with the Patriots for so many years it's just Kansas city is that like older brother giving me a noogie that always gives us fits. And it's never really feeling to me like we're getting outclassed by Kansas city. It feels like we lose those games because we don't rise to the moment and it it's self-inflicted. Um, so for me, this one kind of has to say silly until, until not even necessarily that I see it, but see a game where we look like we belong with them. And it's like final score, like maybe we lose 35, 38 and it was a shootout and we stood in there and went toe to toe with them. But the last two, three times I've watched us play against them, it, it just didn't look like we had much of a chance for most of the game. I completely respect that opinion. And that opinion was mine before this past Sunday. And I'm, I'm going to go real and not because of the way the bills beat up on the Redskins. I'm sorry, the Washington football team or even the 35, nothing victory against the dolphins. But I'm going to, I'm going to say real because it feels like they are stalling. That team is stalling. Now, even when they were on the Super Bowl run, they had a lot of games where they get down early and they always had the ability to come back and catch up and play football in the second half. It's yeah. kind of it's it's kind of biting them right now. They're not coming out strong and starting strong, and, and it's kind of it's not going the way that it has in the past for them right now. And because they're down, and our defensive line seems to be up, I'm going to say it's real. I, I think we get the win, and you know I wouldn't have said that not that long ago. So I I could easily change my tune. What we got? Um, we got Houston, then Tennessee before we play them. Correct. No, it, it, I believe it's Houston and then Kansas City. Okay. Yeah, so Houston's not going to do much to change my opinion. Um, I, I do think Kansas City's defense is struggling. And and like you said, they're, they're not really looking like they're able to just kind of flip the switch like, like we've seen so much in the past. Um, but that team sitting in the bottom of their own division right now what what they have to be the conversations they got to be having in the locker room and and how that has to be feeling them is is a little bit scary to me and patrick mahomes came out and said uh a little adversity at this time of the season isn't the worst thing and and i agree with that um it's kind of reminiscent 
of the Arizona game for us last year. I'll even go as far to say the Pittsburgh game at the beginning of this season as, you know, coming into this season with such high expectations, riding high national media, picking us for the Super Bowl. And we come out week one and lay an egg. And then weeks two, three, we start showing who we are as a football team. Um, so I don't really necessarily see Kansas City not being able to get out of this funk, but that's going to be Bill's chief. Is It's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah, I I think that their season right now is uh, – nobody believes that Denver is as good as that 3-0 record, right? So I, I think they beat the Jets – um, the Jaguars and the Texans, right? Is that right? But even still, they they have a a tough schedule ahead of them if they end up losing another game this early. Um, I think they have the Eagles next. That is a very winnable game, so they could be two to two, two and two facing us. But if they fall to two and three, and Chargers are still on top, I don't know. I think having a losing record that early in the season can start affecting your team chemistry. I think it can start affecting your team mentality. And, you know, usually that's where good coaches come in and Andy Reed is certainly one of the best, but you know, you're starting to stack things up against the chiefs at this point. So I, I don't know. It, it'll be, it certainly is an interesting game and, and I've not felt more optimistic about this game all season, really. I mean, just until this past weekend. Yeah, it, it's certainly looking – it's at the very least looking like they're vulnerable right now. And when I'm looking at the schedule in the beginning of the season going through, like the Chiefs just automatically went down as a loss to me. And looking at the game now, they they look like – they look like they're playing in the same league as everybody else right now. And last year at times – and a couple of years before that, they just didn't look like that. They looked like they belonged in some other league. You know, you had a game where Tyreek Hill had like 250 yards or something like that before halftime. And it's like, what, what are we supposed to do to stop that? Um, and I think there's, there's a little bit to be said about kind of getting a little bit more of a book on a game plan to beat them. Um, the Bucks kind of, put some great stuff on tape in the Super Bowl of, you know, getting after Mahomes, um, really getting him uncomfortable is the solution to beating them. So maybe that's a game where we can really lean into our, our fresh young pass rush here and, and maybe get him a little uncomfortable and come out with the dub. Can you imagine how cocky the mafia will be? <laughs> Close your eyes right now and picture what that will look like when we win like 35 to 28, what's that going to feel like? That's going to be really, really bad for the rest of the NFL. We're going to be so annoying. So annoying. We, we were so bad for so long. We deserve a little, little few moments of being annoying. And then, you know, we enjoy that one for like an extra day. And then we act like we've been there, but I say that, but that's not how it'll be at all. No, I, since the bills are good, I think everybody in my house, especially during COVID, is ready for me to just find another place to live. But if the bills beat the Chiefs, it's going to be even worse. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, all right. You got anything else for me, Justin? 
Uh, that's all for this week. Okay. All right, Justin, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and tell them how they should be spending their Thursdays. Oh, on Thursdays, we drop the Wandering Buffalo podcast. You can catch it anywhere. You can find any of your podcasts. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that. Uh, me and my guy, Andrew Chang, at Two Changs. You can find me on social media at jgods22. That's right. And it's well worth a listen. It's well produced. Jake does a really good job for you guys over there. And Justin and Andrew are just two of the, how do I want to describe them? Uh, they're just very likable. You know, I, I, my favorite podcasts out there are the guys that don't approach it with any sort of ego. They just like to talk about Bill's football because we're all a bunch of nerds and Justin and Andrew are <laughs> my kind of people. So, uh, Thursdays on this very network, you can find them, the wandering Buffalo. Justin, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Go bills. Go bills. This is not your average podcast in the 716. We are back. We're not on Thursdays anymore. We're on Sundays. Before you head out to the game, check out me and Mike. Not your average podcast. It is 716. Go Bills. Hi, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode on the Built-In Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew. And I'm Justin. And we're the hosts of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast. We like to consider ourselves average shows by day, non-professional Buffalo Bills podcasters by night. Andrew and I live and breathe Buffalo Bills football and are here to give you our insights. So this includes year-round content covering the free agency, the draft, training camp, and much more. It's so easy to digest. It's like having a beer with the boys. Hot takes, gut feelings, and whatever other places we might end up. Tune into the Wandering Buffalo podcast for content year-round, because in football, there is no off-season. And you can find us anywhere on the internet by searching The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Go, Go Bills! Bills. Is this the built-in Buffalo customer service line? Oh, yes, great. Hey, I was calling because I'd like to file a complaint. Yeah, specifically against Buffalo on the brain with Vince Taylor. Yeah, I really enjoy that show, and it only comes out once a week, and I really need to have more Buffalo Bills content, but Vince Taylor's a lazy slob, and he only does it once a week. Are you telling me that Built in Buffalo Podcast Network has a podcast about the Buffalo Bills every single day of the week? Every day. So it doesn't matter what day it is, I have new Buffalo Bills content on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Well, that's amazing. I would like to withdraw my complaint. Thank you very much. Uh, that's a little weird, but I love you too, I guess. Yeah, have a great day. Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat, a built-in Buffalo production. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Be ready. It might be chilly.
want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. All right, Bills Mafia. First up in the Mafia hot seat this week, we have a returning guest, Andy Mack, over from the Bills Up podcast. Always a good time speaking with Andy. Andy, how are you doing tonight? I am doing good. I am feeling good. I know before the last time we talked was before the first game, so we are still feeling good. And then after week one, I know we everyone had our doubts, but we are back to feeling on top. Definitely looking at some of the teams across the league, I still think we're top in the AFC right now. Right now, I think the only undefeated teams in the AFC are Denver and Oakland, and I still think all Bills fans know that we're better than those two teams. Chiefs don't look great. They got the Super Bowl hangover, so I'm feeling good as a Bills fan right now. Going into Houston next week as a 17-point favorite. Get our guys ready for uh, our next two primetime games after that. But I'm feeling good right now. Bills, Bills, Bills fans, we're feeling good. We are waiting for that whole. We are waiting for that um, MVP caliber play out of our quarterback, and he gave it to us last week. That's know that's what we were all looking for, and he gave it to us. So hopefully, we keep that keep that going. But uh, thanks for bringing me back on, Vince. Happy to be back. Yeah, no problem, man. Anytime. I enjoy doing this. As you know, I, I live out in Indiana and I don't get a lot of chance to interact with other Bills fans outside of this podcast. So it's fun yeah. for me as well. But yes, I, I I thought all year long or all off season long that we would lose a game or two just along the way because that's the NFL. That's just, you know, I, I didn't necessarily think that it would be Pittsburgh. But, you know, I guess I shouldn't be super surprised. They are a good team. They did frustrate us last year, even if, you know, they, they bottled up Josh for an entire half. And uh, I still thought we'd win. It's a little surprising, but I guess we shouldn't be that surprised. Yeah, I mean, first first game jitters. I know the offense definitely didn't come out and play, but I feel like we're just, we're finally, we're getting back to click it now. So I think we're all good. I'm just going to completely forget about that Pittsburgh game. That wasn't even the same team, so. All right, we will go ahead and get started. You are the first one to go this week. That means you have Ooh. all 10 questions open to you. Which one would you like? Let's go with number. Let's go with number two. Okay. I think the answer to this question is fairly obvious, but believe it or not, there are some people who don't necessarily feel that way. Um we have Emmanuel Sanders back on a one-year deal. We have Cole Beasley right now holding down the slot receiver spot. Um, I believe he's on the last year of his deal. And, of course, we have Stephon Diggs, and he's going to be around for a while. But next mm -hmm. year, the Bills' number two wide receiver will be. So going into this year. I think we all – when I think of number two wide receiver right now, like I just think of Diggs obviously as our number one, and I just go like Beasley's our slot, and that's just a lock. And like number two on the outside I thought was going to be between Sanders and Davis. So it's tough to, I guess, lock in a number two. I know a lot of other teams' number two receivers aren't their slot receivers. But – so this is kind of confusing. I get Next year I got to believe that Beasley is still around. Um I don't know. I'm not positive. What is, is this contract situation? Is he done after this year? I believe this is the final year's contract, but I can verify that real quick. Yeah. I, uh, I know Sanders is on the one year. Number two receiver next year. I mean, I got to believe Bees is going to be sticking around. Emmanuel Sanders played a heck of a game last game, though. He looked good. But yeah, I got to believe they keep Cole in the slot for at least 
they try and bring him back. He, I believe he loves this place, even if they brought him back on another maybe two-year small money deal again. I can see him, but I can also see them going out and getting another receiver as well. Gabe Davis has looked good to start this year. Week one, he looked good. I know he's been kind of hobbled with an ankle injury. So this is a long season ahead of us. He can easily we – can, we, I wouldn't be surprised if we were having this conversation next offseason and just locking in Gabriel Davis as our number two receiver as well. He's good. He's got great hands. He's a he's a guy of physical his physicality and the way he's I always say he's like reminds me of Mike Evans, like he's a younger Mike Evans kind of. So I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year he has a really good year catching over six touchdowns. I know he had eight last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was up there. Again, it's just a toss up. I mean I gotta believe Beasley's going to have more in the tank still. He still looks good. Last week, he had 11 receptions, and he looked like he didn't miss a beat. And I think I could still see that happening at least for another year after this. Yeah, and Beasley actually does have one more year on his contract. Yeah, there you go. I thought so. So I know he was – I know Manuel's done after this year. It's kind of a one-year try to get him a ring uh, set. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not around next year as well. Maybe they go try and go young and try to get another receiver. But uh, I don't know. Do you agree with me on the Gabriel Davis situation? I believe that we wouldn't, I wouldn't be, and I don't know if you would be surprised. You wouldn't be surprised if by the end of this year we go, all right, he's our number two. He's our young gun on the other outside, and we still have a Cole, a veteran on the inside. That's my belief as, to, as well. I, I was a Gabe Davis fan. I actually was okay with going into this season with him taking the number two spot on the outside. Um, I wanted them to bring in a veteran to maybe be down on the depth chart somewhere, but they brought in a little bit too high caliber of a veteran where they knocked him down the Jeff Hart instead. But there are, believe it or not, there are people who don't think Gabe Davis is going to be the wide receiver too. And I, I don't understand that. They think that he's got some room to grow. And, you know, we want to give all the patience in the world to people like Dawson Knox and Tremaine yep. Edmonds and Ed Oliver. Very but why cool. don't we want to have patience for Gabe Davis, who, by the way, is already showing what he can do. So I'm very high in Gabe Davis. I think it's it's pretty much a no-brainer yeah, to me. I think, yeah, I think the last two games, he's been definitely, you've seen he's had an ankle injury and they've limited him. So for thinking that he's not getting time, I think we're going to see a lot more time with him. He played a lot in week one when he was healthy. So I definitely see, so I'm on the same page with you. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's very gifted. I think he's got great hands and I think he's got a great physical uh, attributes where he can, he's a, he's a mismatch problem for a lot of people, a lot of smaller corners. And like, I, I like how you said, we give leeway for other people. We've given, we gave leeway for Dawson Knox. Now this is his third year. It's actually looking out pretty good. Now, I was a, I was a Knox hater all offseason, and now he's, he's shunned some people up. And now we got Edmonds on his last year here, too. He's got to prove it. But if we're giving all these guys at least two years, Gabe Davis definitely deserves at least another year after this, even if he doesn't have the best year this year. But he's already shown what he can do. He pretty much stepped up into that spot a lot of last year when John Brown was out. Definitely, yeah. He's and a touchdown he, grabber, man. He, go get, he goes up and gets it. Yeah, he does. And you know, the sideline swag, you know, mm-hmm. the, the toe drag mm-hmm. swag. And yeah, so I'm I'm very high enough. I think the Bills will actually end up drafting somebody, but it's not gonna be a high pick. Fifth, sixth, yeah. seventh round. They'll take I another wide receiver yeah. to fill out the end of it. They keep going back to back years now. They've gone sixth with Hodgins and then Stevenson. I wonder maybe if they would go. I think next year's draft is definitely neural uh be O line heavy. 
I know we went D-line this year. I think it could be O-line heavy. And I also, I also could see them going with another corner. I feel like those are just our two needs right now. So, yeah, maybe a receiver in the fourth or something. I think we all wanted corner. Most of us wanted corner early. And I had to talk myself into the Rousseau, the Rousseau pick, but now I'm more than okay with it. Uh, but the the cornerback depth right now, I think, is pretty concerning. If we lose Trey, it's yeah, very – yeah. not good. We don't yeah, want to talk about that. Yeah. That's scary. Levi's, I mean, yeah. Levi's playing well, but Levi is what he is. You know, he's always he's just inconsistent. He'll have a really good game, and then he'll have and then he'll get picked on and have a terrible game. Like, you know, do you know Kansas City's can go and try to pick on him? So like that's gonna be a huge game for him. But with the cornerback, yeah, like I just tweeted out the other day, like, is there any if there was someone you wanted to trade for, a position you wanted to trade for, what would it be? And I got a lot of answers at the cornerback position. And the deal that the Panthers just made for CJ Henderson, I'm like, that's a pretty good deal too. But we weren't in as of a need as the Panthers did. Like, we don't need a starter corner right now. Levi's good, but definitely some depth. We definitely need a rotational cornerback that can play with one of those guys go down. And Dane Jackson's solid, but, like, just having him is not going to be enough depth for the long season. I might even argue, and there are a lot of people that were really high on Dane Jackson, I I don't – I think we're maybe making too much out of a, a handful of plays, you yeah. know, uh, he hasn't from all reports that people who were able to watch him in, you know, preseason and in training camp, he wasn't looking good and he wasn't looking good last year. And I don't know. I just think there's a lot of expectations on him because he's our guy and we all want to root for the underdog. And he was a late round pick and we're just kind of hoping for the best. That's not making a serious investment in the position. And, and Bean seems to be okay with that philosophy. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you saying that he's kind of a guy that a lot of fans are wanting to be better, wanting to be good, wanting to be as solid as we say he is, but we really, he really hasn't shown much. We're kind of just trying to hype him up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I got I got to believe, I mean, I got to believe Bean's ears are open. He's looking around. I also think, oh, I mean, the depth at the line, if we lose Morse, we lose Feliciano, we lose um, Ford, like, or even Dar- like I know Spencer Brown. So I'm playing it a lot. People are uh, like Spencer Brown as our backup tackle. So we at least have one solid backup tackle. But our interior could get a little cool. Even us being already right now. I know before the Washington game, we were 30th in the league in pass protection. Carolina has not been playing that good. I believe they had an amazing game though against Washington. That's why it's completely flipped around. I don't know about like my going into that game was the O line versus that freaking freak of a D-line Washington had and Josh and they played amazing they had a Josh at all the time in the world didn't get touched so I really give the credit for O-line stepping up in that game when the eyes were on them but again just another position if a guy goes down I'm very very nervous yeah and I think having Josh Allen back there can cover up a lot of warts like it did last year the offensive line is pretty much the same group as last year it wasn't great last year and when we went into the draft we went one and two defensive ends. And I think, Oh, okay. Well, there's no corner here. And yep. and then we take a tackle and I, okay, well, swing tackle is important to them. And then, and then we take another tackle. Well, what are we going to do about the offensive line? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I think after the immediately after the draft, I was kind of, eh. And then as time passed, I worked myself into thinking it was a good draft. And now, you know, especially after the Pittsburgh game, I <laughs> swung back the other way and I'm like, we really should have grabbed some interior help. I don't even think Mitch Morse is what we signed him to be. He's no, not worth he's being not, the highest bid center. 
He has not been playing as well. I mean, I just compare it to my brother here is a Panther fan, and they signed Paradise, like, a little less money, I think, than Mitch Morse. Like, that same offseason was between Mitch Morse, Paradise, and another center. And Paradise is, like, bad, 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 like, terrible. And, like, so I'm like, all right, at least we got Mitch. Mitch has been, I would say, at, at best solid. He's been real solid when he stays healthy. Um, I think he does a lot more than people kind of notice, though, just being the center on that line, just controlling and being calling out and stuff like that. People don't really notice as much. So I do think he's been solid. But yeah, the depth is uh, depth isn't depth isn't there, and I but I don't know with our second round pick and Boogie Basham, like I'm not gonna get mad about it right now because it's kind of exactly what we did in Epinesa last year, where he was inactive for at least like first half of the year, and now I love Epinesa. I believe Epinesa is looking very very good. He's looking fast and very tough to block on the edge. So I'm obviously I can't I'm not gonna go and say that was a bad pick because maybe this is just a thing that Bean wants to do. Have a have an early round DN just inactive sit, watch these guys and learn from it, and then next year just be he knows he's gonna be around next year. So just make this a learning year for him would be good. So what do you think about Boogie Basham? I I agree with you to an extent. Now I understand why they think they were getting value if they thought they could get him in the first round. He's there late in the second. Okay, that's good. But I also think when they approach this draft, we are trying to win a Super Bowl in 2021, and it feels yeah. like they didn't do everything they could to help this team this year. So I have a little criticism there. Now, 2022, 2023, maybe I feel differently, but for right now, this year, trying to win a Super Bowl, I feel like they left some meat on the bone. Yeah. I can see. I mean, maybe just at that position, they didn't see anyone that was like, going to be a real game day factor for them and knowing that we're going to be contenders now for at least the next four or five years hopefully with josh they're knowing that they got to keep this young line intact and pretty much them drafting those first two picks and having epinesa last year and ed oliver they don't have to make a d-line pick now for the next an early d-line pick for a while maybe they're just thinking that and then hopefully that's what that's what my that's what i'm hoping <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think that they saw that value and they decided to go that way. But are you telling me we couldn't use an upgrade from Feliciano? We couldn't use a depth piece yeah. to play behind Ford or even compete with Ford um, or even another center because I think yeah. there's reason to be unsatisfied with everybody in, on the interior. So and instead they elected to go tackle tackle, which is odd because <laughs> Both those guys are not going to be playing this year. Yeah. Doyle might not ever be active at all. Yeah, so, Brown would be the only one who might just hop in this year. People like him. I mean, there were some highlights of him this week, obviously, in the blowout, him looking good. But it's a blowout. You can't really take much from that. Yeah, and I think we should all learn a lesson about taking sample size into consideration when we're trying to drop our, our opinions, you know. Yeah. But – all right, but, Andy. Yes, my final answer on that was for next year, I believe we still have the veteran Cole Beasley back and Gabe Davis on the outside as well. And I believe maybe we substitute Sanders out with someone new, maybe a different receiver. That's my expectations on the receiving core next year. Yeah, Davis will take the number two spot. We'll bring in somebody else, but they'll be further down the Jeff chart. That's yeah. what I think. But believe it or not, that is not a consensus at least in the mafia, at least even in my own network, there are people who don't think Gabe Davis is a number two receiver. And okay. 
I guess people are entitled to their opinion, but I see lots of things to like there. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see at the end of the year here after he plays, after he gets some looks, after Diggs is getting all the double coverage and Sanders maybe takes a couple. I mean, I still, I mean, well, I hope Sanders keeps doesn't doing his thing, but at some point we do, Sanders isn't going to be here forever. We need another young receiver with Josh. So it'd be good to have Davis being playing a lot more. I just, I yeah. really think it was the ankle injury. I really think he was kind of hobbled in the Miami game and then didn't really play much in this game. So I really hope he's healthy and ready to go for these upcoming games with Kansas city and Tennessee. Well, and if, if we wait to the end of the year and we're going to judge him based solely on the stats that he puts up this year, I think that's a, a way to look at it where you're not getting the right picture because he's the fourth wide receiver. And yeah. I mean, where's the opportunities? He got opportunities last year because John Brown was hurt, but assuming that Sanders stays healthy, he could end up having a very low key year, but still play very well because he is the fourth wide receiver. What do fourth wide receivers typically get across the league? They're not getting a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. And he might. Yeah. And with Dawson, sorry, cut you off there, but and with Dawson Knox playing pretty good, playing pretty well, they're not going to go as many four wide receiver sets. They're good with Knox now at tight end. So we're going to see a lot less of the four wide receiver sets. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy about that. I was, I wasn't necessarily a Knox hater, but I didn't want to see him being our number one tight end if he was going to keep doing what he was doing. But I didn't want the Zach Ertz trade either. I was on the Hollister train. Okay. Yeah. No, I was on the Hollister train too. That was a little weird how that whole situation ended up. But Knox is making us eat our words, man. That was an unreal TD grab he had last week. He hasn't had any drops yet. So I'm liking what I'm seeing from Knox. Yeah. That was a, that was a good catch. Yeah. Uh, apparently the hand eye specialist in Titan university can work wonders. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything else for me, Andy? Oh, no, Vince. I believe I answered your question to the best of my ability. Uh, thank you for having me on again. Let's go beat the Texans by 45. I hope at home and give us a nice boost going into Sunday night football. And I cannot wait for that game. So, if you need to follow me, I'm at the Bills Up Pod on Twitter. I post pods every once or twice a week before doing pregame analysts and postgame. And I'm constantly on my Twitter doing conversations and back and forths of other users and Bills Mafia. But that's where you'll find me. Thank you again, Vince. This was fun. We'll do it anytime. Anytime you need me, I'll be on here. Yeah, I enjoy it. And like I said, I always enjoy talking to other Bills fans living all the way out here in Indiana. So, Andy, thank you. The pleasure is all mine, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your night. You too, man. Bill's Mafia next up on the hot seat. I've got a treat for you here. I have, well, you probably know him by his silky smooth deliveries when he's talking about the Bills over there on Bill's Ology. King Rich, how's it going tonight? Vince, it is going great. I get to do work with you, and you're one of my favorite guys in the business, so I'm doing great today. How you doing, Vince? I'm always doing better than I deserve. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I deserve less, as Jeremy <laughs> likes to say. <laughs> but, awesome. uh, yeah. Um, but it's always good to get to talk to other Bills content creators. In fact, you are one of my favorite people to listen to because I just love your delivery. You are always so good at taking us on a little journey with your voice. And it's one of your gifts, my friend. You're really good at it. 
I really appreciate that. I, I, I stay passionate because I just love the game so much. And the Buffalo Bills is something that I would probably leave my wife for. Don't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's just it's just the love for the Buffalo Bills. And I get passionate about my team. <laughs> my wife accuses me of the same thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, that's my superpower is yep. I can turn any conversation back to the Buffalo Bills and I'll tell you right now, quarantine has been really hard on the people that I live with. <laughs> They're ready for me to move out. The feeling is mutual on my side of the house. So, yeah, they definitely understand where, you, uh, where your side of the family is coming from. Yeah, I live out in Indiana. I have no outlet other than this program right here to talk oh, bills with other people. Really? Indiana. I've been out there one time. Uh, it was it was quiet. It, it, is it a lot like Buffalo? Uh, how so? I'm, I'm axing. I'm axing. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I've, I, I think the people here are just a lot different. I, I don't know. I, sorry to throw I, you it, off. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a different vibe, I think, gotcha. um, than Western New York. And I grew up in upstate New York. I'm pretty much, you know, my grandparents were Canadian. Um, um and, nice. and I was from the Adirondacks and I moved out here as a kid. So I really kind of relate more to Indiana than I do New York, but I've always ah. held on to my strong bills allegiance. Of course. Of course. That, that you did well, my friend, that you did well. <laughs> yeah. But unlike you, you've, you're moving all over the place. You were living in Florida there for a while. Well, yeah, I was, uh, I have a home in Florida. Uh, my wife, she always wanted to come back up North and she's a nurse. So she said, babe, if I get this nursing job up north, uh, would you think about moving back up there? And I said, sure, baby, why not? I'm watching a Bills game at the time. <laughs> you know, so I'm not paying attention. You <laughs> caught me at my weakest moment. Caught me at my weakest moment. And I didn't really think she was going to actually get the job. But guess what? Through the, her determination, she got it. And I'm in Connecticut. <laughs> well, we always want to root for the people we love. So, of course, of course. All right, hey, Rich, we're going to go ahead and get started. You are the second person to go this week. So you have all 10 questions available to you except number two. Which one would you like? Uh, let's go number seven. This is maybe not necessarily a Bills-related question, but I think it's a good conversation topic because I think earlier this year, and maybe we're overreacting a little bit, but – you know, I, I kind of had teams that I pegged as being playoff contenders and we're through three weeks now. Some of those teams aren't looking so hot. Has your playoff expectations changed any for other teams in the AFC? Uh, other teams in the AFC playoff expectations changing. Yes, a little bit. Uh, I understand and I realize that the Pittsburgh Steelers beat our Buffalo Bills week one. I really like TJ Watt. I really like Hayward. But in my opinion, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are in trouble. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is not the same guy that he once was two, three, eight, nine years ago. <laughs> and uh, that offense, in my opinion, it doesn't look like it's changed much. I know they changed offensive coordinators. They went with Matt Canada, but you couldn't tell. They run this uh, short, uh, short style, short pass and attack offense where they want to get their receivers, uh, yak yards and try to move the ball that way. But, uh, I don't see it working to the point of the Pittsburgh Steelers standard. Mike Tomlin's a head coach that's never had a losing record, uh, since he became the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. And I I'm going to, 
uh, a little hot take. I think that's going to be on the line this year. I can't hate that at all. I agree 100%. I, when they beat us week one, of course, the strength of their team is a defense and they do have a good defense and they can win some games just based on that. If the other team's not playing their best game, which we right. weren't. Um, so, but you know, we have other teams like the Colts out there mm-hmm. who a lot of people like to win the division, even mm-hmm. after the Tennessee Titans acquired Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. Rough, rough start for them. It was a rough stretch for them to start the season anyway. But if you're talking about Carson Wentz, who we're kind of unsure about anyway, now he's got both ankles hurt. Mm. You know, they're 0-3. It's yep. not, looking, not looking good for the Colts. Their offensive line was a strength of their team. They're not having a great offensive line right now. Yep. Uh, the run game isn't what they had been hoping. Um, you know, we got Denver starting off pretty hot, even though they haven't really beat anybody strong haven't yet. Haven't played anybody yet. Yep. Haven't played anybody. You got the Raiders. I'm actually thinking the Raiders might challenge. I think they'll end up getting a, a wild card spot, but I guess I wouldn't have predicted that earlier this year. I actually, I you know what? The, the Raiders, I look at them as the type of team early on in the season. They could beat anybody in the NFL. They proved it this year. They've beaten some good teams, the Baltimore Ravens. They proved it last year when they beat the Kansas City Chiefs early in the season. But as the season goes along and teams get film on them, uh, I believe they get figured out. So the Raiders is the team that I want to be high on, but I feel like they're going to start to fade as the as the season continues. Yeah, I don't hate that either. I, I think the Raiders are perpetually underperforming and mm. right now I'm sure John Gruden's running around Las Vegas with his chest stuck out. Like he's, you know, the best coach that ever has ever right. stepped on a football field. But <laughs> I, I like Derek Carr more than most people do, but mm. the rest of the team, I don't know how I feel, you know, but uh, looking at the standard, the standings right now, after three weeks, I think that there's going to be some shakes, shakeups and some surprises at the end of the year. I would have said Miami and New England will be con- competing for a wild card. Mm-hmm. I don't even know that that's a solid given anymore. Like, I don't know how right. confidently I can say that right, right down with those two teams. Uh, Mac Jones is taking over for Cam. Cam was so bad last year. I thought that's such a low bar to clear for them to get better. So that worked out for him so far. And, uh, you know, I, I think Miami's better with Brissette than they are with Tua. But do you think there's a wild card team between the two of them? No, I on, I honestly don't. Uh, I was high on Brian Flores uh, when he became the Miami Dolphins head coach, I'm not so sure if I'm as high on him as I once was. I see a lot of questionable decisions over there uh, as a coach. And and quite frankly, the, their GM hasn't done a great job as well. They had a plethora of picks. They had five first round picks over the last two years and their roster is still underwhelming. They still have a lot of holes on that roster. And when you look at the New England Patriots, as far as Mac Jones, Mac Jones is a solid quarterback, but I believe they was trying to find a a Tom Brady clone and they found Mac Jones. And I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's athletic enough. And I just don't think that his IQ is going to be to the level of a, of a Tom Brady where he can get away with uh, limited athletic ability. So I do think uh, the AFC North now with Baltimore and Cleveland, even Cincinnati beating Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh might not might be the, the worst team in that division. 
And I think we have to look at the AFC West as well with the Kansas City Chiefs in last place. We can't ignore what the Chargers are doing. Chargers are 3-0. and Justin Herbert looks very good, and I really like that team as a wildcard team. Yeah, I, I thought so too. All, all preseason long, I was kind of pointing to them to be a wild card uh, because of Justin Herbert, you know, yeah. another year of development for him. And they've always had a team that was pretty good and they've just not been able to put it together for some reason, even mm-hmm. going back to the LaDainian Tomlinson, Marty Schottenheimer years, they just were always some reason falling short, but maybe this is the year they can put it together because they got a head start in Kansas city right now. They actually own a tiebreaker against them. Exactly. And 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 what and what is it about when you have a, a good roster or good players on your roster? Like uh, I felt the Buffalo Bills had a decent roster for a number a number of years, but we couldn't get over the hump because of coaching, because of coaching, because of who you hire in organizations are not making the best hires. And I believe the Chargers uh, was going through that similar stretch where they had talent on their roster, but they wasn't winning games. And we was like, why isn't this team winning games? They have players uh, that's capable of winning games. And I believe Brandon Staley, former defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams, he's come in and he's implemented a culture, a winning culture. Uh, he's come with come from Sean McVay and, and, and that Rams kind of uh, uh, Rams organization where they were successful in all his years there. So uh, I think the Chargers finally got the right guy, the right hire with Brandon Staley. And I think we'll see the results of that starting this year. Yeah. And going over to the AFC South, well, that division's a mess right now. Jacksonville, Indianapolis, 0-3. Houston is surprisingly got one win, even if it's over Jacksonville, but it just feels like Tennessee and three wannabes. And I don't feel that good about Tennessee either. Yeah, uh, I I agree 100%. I don't think uh, the Tennessee Titan team is the same physical team that they as they were in years past, the last year or the year before that. I think Arthur Smith leaving and going to the Atlanta Falcons hurt that team, hurt that offense. And I think the Buffalo Bills uh, playing Tennessee next weekend is going to be able to exploit and take certain advantages of the Tennessee Titans in that matchup. Uh, but as far as the rest of the division, it's just like, it's a brutal, it's tomato cans, right? We don't know when Deshaun Watson is coming back. Carson, Carson Wentz is, it has been a shell of himself ever since he hurt his back with Philadelphia. Uh, and Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer is just a bad, it's, in my opinion, just a very, very bad relationship, very bad combination. So I'm, yeah, I feel really bad for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah, I do yeah, too. Yeah. It, it like if he were just somehow like lesser of a quarterback and getting drafted by uh, any, almost any other team, like you feel like you'd have a chance, but urban Meyer in Jacksonville, that's just, it's like, it felt like it was just there to sell tickets or something. Exactly. Uh, I, I believe the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, excellent point, Vince. They, they want to sell seats. It's hard to get fans in the stadium in Jacksonville, especially if you are if your team is not performing. So Urban Meyer being a household name would probably bring uh, some seats and some revenue to, to, to Jacksonville, to that Jaguars organization. But at the same time, the organization, in my opinion, obviously, I'm not no expert. They're not they're not making sound hires. They're not making hires that's telling the fans that they want to win. Uh, Urban Meyer, he's never developed a coach. He's never developed a, a quarterback, excuse me, through his tenure in college. 
he's he has a lot a ton of he has a ton of say on the roster for a head coach that never that never coached on a pro level on top of that they have their gm bulky who was the former GM of the San Francisco uh, 49ers at the time, Colin Kaepernick and, and Anquan Bolden and, and guys like that was there. He dismantled that San Francisco 49er team uh, when they was at the peak. And now the Jacksonville Jaguars have them running their organization. So I just think Bulky and Urban Meyer and Daryl Bevel, everybody in that organization is just a bad mix for Trevor Lawrence. Not to mention that the owner still wants to be really involved and hands-on and all that. So I, I kind of felt like you needed to have a, a coach that's got some pedigree and some prestige that's able to push back on all that, but they got maybe not the best one for that. I, I don't know. Like it, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I would have done differently, but I would not have done that. Me, me either. Me either. I mean, Doug Marone, you just you you hired a Doug Marone that came from understand he was with the New Orleans Saints organization as an offensive coordinator with Sean Payton. He wasn't calling plays, but he came from uh, the college ranks in, with Syracuse right before he came to Buffalo. So I, I, I thought they would have tried to go another direction. But hey, Jacksonville is Jacksonville. Yeah, Jack's going to Jack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I I mean, just taking a, a quick. I guess, census of the AFC. I, I think the AFC North has to be the, even with Pittsburgh, has to be the best division in the AFC right now. Would you agree? Oh, wow. Uh, AFC West with Kansas City, the Chargers, Oakland Raiders, and who was the last, and the Denver Broncos? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? On paper, that might be the, the best division, but we're looking in depth with the teams. Vince, I think you're right. I think the the that North division is the best division in the AFC from top to bottom. Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cleveland. I mean, I still think Cleveland is a, a powerhouse team, and there's somebody to keep your eyes on. Definitely. Uh, Baltimore, I think, can win any week with Lamar Jackson. I mean, I don't think he's my flavor of quarterback, but – He's a very talented dude, and he, they can win any week. And, you know, Cincinnati is still kind of technically they're leading the division right now, but by the end of the year, they probably won't be. But they're getting it put together and, and seem to be doing the right thing. So I'm keeping my eye right there. I'm just very glad that we're not in any of those two divisions, and we feel like we're the we're the Patriots now for a little while. Right, and it, and it's good, right? It feels good. And when you're, when you're lucky, you're good. When you're good, you're lucky. The Buffalo Bills – are are finally good after a number of poor seasons so the luck starts to change around a little bit right what happens with the buffalo bills this season uh taylor heineke he's hurt of course we don't wish injuries on anybody but advantage the advantage bills what happened with tyrod taylor and houston texans he's hurt now we played a, a now buffalo plays houston this week with another backup quarterback now again i don't wish injuries on anybody but the Buffalo Bills look like they ran into a string of backup quarterbacks at the time where their offense needs to be adjusted and needs to have more chemistry. So it looks like the football gods is 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 helping the Buffalo Bills a little bit. And I'm not mad at it. When you're lucky, you're good. When you're good, you're lucky. Hey, we earned it. We earned it. We deserve this football gods. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Akeem, you got anything else for me? Um, nah, Vince. I once again, you know, 
This was excellent. Our dialogue was excellent, uh, like it usually is. And I really appreciate coming on your show, man. I don't know what the hell I'm about to get into before I get into it. And that's the fun part about the show, man. That's the unique part about it. And uh, like I said before, Vince Taylor, you're one of the best in the game. And I appreciate you. And I'm glad you are part of Built in Buffalo. I'm going to try to keep you for life if I could. <laughs> well, I I really enjoy the team. And thank you so much for saying all the kind words. I, you know, I'm a, I, I'm just a dumb I'm I'm the dumb no, with, no. with a microphone, just trying to get better every week. But uh, the guys on the podcast team, I just enjoy so much. Uh, they've all been really good to me, and you know, I enjoy uh, waking up every day and seeing what other podcast is out there for me to listen to on this network because we have something every single day. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, tell everybody where they can find you, Akeem. Uh, hey, Rich, Akeem Richens, you can find me on all social media platforms, King Rich underscore 987 BIB. I'm going to say it again, King Rich underscore 987 BIB. You can find me on all social media platforms. I have the Buffalo Blueprint each and every Tuesday, uh, 9.30 p.m. on the Built in Buffalo Network. You can, you can watch us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Last but not least, Please check Billsology each and every Saturday, 9 p.m. Once again, the Bills in Buffalo Network. Vince, I really appreciate you. All right. Go Bills. All right. All right, Bills Mafia. That is it. That is all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for staying to the end of this episode. Thank you so much to Andy Mack of the Bills Up Podcast and... Akeem Richens, a rich from this very network, one of the co-founders of the Built in Buffalo Network. Also, thank you, special thank you to Justin Goddard for giving me time every single week to help me carry this episode because I'm not strong enough to do it on my own. But until next week, Bills fans, please be kind to everybody around you. Please wear a mask and squeeze someone close to you. Go Bills. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cryass. Here we are, I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. We're talking about our idiot podcaster who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So what has the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot podcast. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.